Tape Radio. Hello, 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 hello. Good afternoon. Good morning. Mm -hmm. Good evening. Wherever you are in the world, Gavna. This is <laughs> KRK Radio. This is your man, your sexy bottom with the greatest things in the world, Just X Henry, with my co-host, Black Word. Good day. I have a bad English accent. I'm sorry. <laughs> also, my other host, the Wind God Vonte. What's going on? Your regions here for the people, the land, the weather, all that shit except on Sundays, because I gotta watch Housewives. And finally, the legend, the doctor, the esquire, the man of man's, Dr. Showtime himself. You better make sure that we put the doctor on the front of the name because it's important. I'm sorry, I doctor. It. I didn't get it from Empire State University, so we're clear. Hey, man. See, 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 we got good money. See, I went to Everest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't go. I went I went to the real HU. I didn't go to the fake one, so we're clear. And that's Hampton University. College with Romeo. Me and, me and Romeo were roommates at ICDC College. Um, you know, I just saw those commercials over and over again growing up, and I just went, I don't want to be a broke bitch on my couch, just doing nothing, wasting my life away. I want to make, I want to major in something important. So I majored in, you know, um, cutting grams and scaling um, for hard narcotics. It's like a, it's in the business department, you know, you got to know exactly how to split it, cut it, that's uh, flip a it. very high level degree as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You need to pass like not only biochem, but you need to also pass, you know, simple mathematics. Um, you need to have some pedigree in marksmanship as well. Okay. There's a lot involved. That's a higher degree than what Doom has. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have mm -hmm. one. He's a quote unquote doctor. <laughs> He's pre-PhD, as Dr. Hadassah would say. Yeah, what uh, is a doctorate really? You know, like, is it just a way of life? Is it just a philosophy? Uh, Let's keep it cute, because I got one. Love you. <laughs> wow. okay. Now, anyway, um, big boobs. Um, we do X-Men number four and uh, X-Force number 24 with our lovely secret hush-hush uh, circuit party topic today. So we are going to head on in to X-Force, I'm sorry, X-Men number four. The doctor, Showtime, will be giving us the minutes. And um, just, just like um, myself with the uh, doctorate, we start this issue with a quote from another doctor, another Black doctor, specifically Dr. Voodoo, um, where how? he reminds us just how powerful Nightmare actually is, and that he is a huge threat now that Dr. Now that Dr. Strange, the Sorcerer Supreme, is dead. Um, so we open up the issue. Uh, it is around Halloween time, so like now. Um, and all of the X-Men are sleeping, except for uh, Sunfire, who is up. Um, I guess he's on monitor duty for the evening. Um, and all of the rest of the X-Men are sleeping. Uh, we see uh, Cyclops is having uh, nightmares about uh, when he first got his powers, when he had to jump out of the plane with his brother, um, and then caused himself the psychological damage that causes his eyes to always be blasting, uh, leaving his children. 
Jean is having a nightmare about when she was the Phoenix and uh, destroyed that planet and killed billions of people. And then we see Nightmare step into the picture um, and says that he loves the dreams of X-Men because they have the best taste in dreams because he's a fucking weirdo. Um, we see him go around the city of New York, uh, cast, uh, grabbing uh, the nightmare energy from random people throughout the city. Uh, and then he returns back to uh, Jean and Cyclops and realizes that they have uh, two very powerful dream sequences. We see Scott is reminiscing about his time with Jean and with Emma, uh, and then a possible future time where he fails as an X-Men and then all of the mutants uh, go extinct. Um, we see him having horrible nightmares with that. Then we pan over to Jean's nightmares where she's uh, at the Xavier Institute um, and then she has an interaction with Emma where Emma shades the fuck out of her and asks her if her, the dress that we all hate. The dress that we all hate was handmade, so but she made it. Right. So if, she, if she made it, and then when Jean proudly says that she did, she said, oh, it's not for me or for you, and shades the fuck out of her for her handmade dress, um, just as any Emma uh, Frost fan would want her to do. Um, then Nightmare leaves the two of them and goes over uh, to uh, Wolverine, our Wolverine, uh, Laura Kinney, and sees that her nightmare is about um, trying to remember uh, what happened in the vault. And he makes an apt comparison here um, that just like any, any good Wolverine, they have to have a memory issue, just likening back to Logan Wolverine's uh, initial memory issue with remembering how he was created. Um, and then doing the comparison between them. Uh, and then that's when uh, Miss Jean Grey taps Nightmare on the shoulder and reminds him that she's the Omega level telepath that we all love her for. <sighs> As an Emma Frost stan, I'm so sorry um, to the other fellow Emma Frost stands. Um, we're gonna have to stand Jean temporarily this week. Mm -hmm. Because she taps Nightmare on the shoulder and reminds him that she is the Omega level telepath and Sorceress Supreme or not, Nightmare better not roll up on her squad because she takes care of business. She, uh, we see a brief little uh, moment of her uh, bid for be, uh, being coming an X Men, which I thought she was automatically on the team. So this was interesting to see that uh, she actually had. Uh, to be voted onto the team. I thought she was automatically on the team. That's what I thought was sort of implied. Um, and then Nightmare tries to like um, have a dick measuring contest uh, with the wrong one where he says that he's so fucking powerful and all this powerful. And then um, he calls her, uh, he says that she's uh, small and beneath him. And then she responds back and says that I can hear you even all the way up here. And we see that Jean is a um, pulled an Ant-Man and has uh, gigantically telepathically um, grown on uh, Nightmare. And then she ambushes him with various versions of herself and basically shows him uh, never to fucking come back to New York or fuck with Jean Grey because Miss Mamas is an Omega level telepath. And none of you girls, none of you girls can have it. Um, then Jean calms down and comes back uh, to bed with Scott and then 
they get gross. Um, then we go over to a scene in a cemetery where we see that the body of uh, Cable um, that had been buried in a random ass cemetery in, I think this is New York. Yep, Sleepy Hollow, New York. Um, that the body of Cable had been exhumed from his uh, burial plot um, and that Dr. What is his name? Dr. Stasis um, is there reporting on that and is trying to um, make links between uh, the deceased mutants that they know of and the live versions of them that they see walking around. Um, we see a letter from him, from Dr. Stasis um, basically talking to Orcus about uh, how they're still working to figure out whatever project Polythene is, uh, which I'm assuming is their way of figuring out how the mutants keep coming back. Um, and then in the PS to this, it's very important um, because all of the multidisciplined, multi-hyphenate, multiple doctorate folks felt disrespected by the folks who don't have those um, for not giving them their titles. Um, and so it's important to note here that um, unless you went to Empire State, um, if you have a doctorate, you should be respected with that. So I fully feel um, at one with that statement, um, seeing as I went to the real HU in Hampton, um, and I don't respect those Empire State girls on Georgia Avenue. Um, then we pan over it and see that uh, Fei Long is still trying to get to Mars. We have no idea why. Um, he's just being an asshole. Um, but he does a, an experiment in his uh, ship on the way there uh, involving uh, Ruby Quartz. Um, and we're not exactly told what the outcome of that uh, experiment is. Um, but it, it implies that he's trying to empower himself some sort of way uh, on his way to Mars. Um, and then that's when the issue ends. So what is everybody's thought on X-Men number four? Well, first, um, there's so many good things we can talk about because I, I like to call this like a loose end tire of an issue where you take a bunch of things and you just drop like a bunch of information and small details to add on like the larger details from other places. It doesn't advance the plot necessarily that much. And it might just be a quick grab so you can extend more money out of an issue. But because we love Krakoa so much, we going we 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 want this. So <laughs> the one thing I will point out is the size of Scott and James's bed. Now it may appear that they have organically separated, but to my masterful eyes, you know, as the only member of the council with bisexual vision is that that bed very comfortably fits a third person and you know nightmare demonstrates when he falls into the bed and extends his arms out it's very clear a third person has to be there that bed is not built for two that's that bed is too big and you know they just got done having sex it appears Logan someone just left is in the other room still trying to work through the trial of magneto bullshit with mm -hmm. his his daughter and his his son but where they even on the, they're like in a treehouse, right? They're not on the summer's thing on, on the moon. So what we're like, got gates. <laughs> it's portals everywhere, and they all you you know they they can do whatever they want. You always five minutes away. You always five minutes away in Krakoa. That's all I know. He got done a very all long Jean day had to investigating. Do is, all Gene had to do was put them two fingers to the side of her head and be like, "Hey, Logan, get down here." And he showed up 
and they and he got pegged the fuck out of. <laughs> wow. Um, wow. Um, I he love getting cracked while he was cracking Scott, you know, like <laughs> Gene was pegging Logan while Logan was um fucking the shit out of Scott. It happened. And you know she and she's a total fanatic, so she can add some more thrust to it. Wow. Just thrust. She can like she already showed everybody she's the got the biggest she she already told that she already showed everybody that she's got the biggest dick when she put when she put her dick down on the table on nightmare. So I, I'm just mm. saying that part. And I it's mean, important. That's not a lie. I mean, that's all true. <laughs> I love the issue. I, I will say my only negative about the issue. Um, my good sis Peppy LaRoz, girl, you girl, you got one job. We only in the fourth issue. You can't be taking breaks already. Like daughter, where were you? Like I like I opened up the issue. I was hoping to see Pepe LaRoz's artwork. I'm in love with that man's artwork. I was just very disappointed that he he wasn't the artist pinning the article. I mean, pinning the issue. It was a great issue overall. Uh, Gene, you know, Gene showed and proved. I'm so glad Gene is being, you know, not Phoenix reliant anymore. So it's like this is great for her that she's building her own character. That uniform is still tacky. That was that that was not a dream. That was scene was the funniest shit I have ever read. It's like mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's tacky. We've been trying to tell you. Marvel. We know now. We know y'all listening. Mm-hmm. Definitely, they picked up on mm-hmm. that. They know that we do not like this dress because it's definitely like they just need Jocelyn to just come out of the Jocelyn Hernandez and just come up and just be like, "Hey, babe, I see you wearing your cocoon dress like you always do." Something like that. Like it's something. <laughs> This was a desperation. Mm-hmm. The artist was with the shits. That artist was with the shits, though, because the way the desperation in Gene's eyes to be valentine in that fucking gown mm-hmm. by and Emma, Emma Frost having all people. Nothing for her. <laughs> not, not, not one thing. It's not for <laughs> you or me. She said, did you make that? She said, did you make that dress I did? She's like, I can tell. <laughs> said, did you make this? She said, yes, you like it. And she, it was really giving, like Dorothy. It was like, oh, a low plunging neckline, you know, for the turkey neck. Like it was very much Blanche Devereaux reading the fuck out of Dorothy's Bornack. I was here for it. That's the thing about that dress is that it makes her look like a fucking rooster. <laughs> and that fucking mask on top of it. God is so fucking mask. mask it makes her face so look so long. Fucking yeah, her that mask is so fucking big. Like, why is it so big? I thought, like, you know, if you want to keep the mask, okay, fine, I get it. It's an iconic part of her uniform or whatever. Do something interesting with it. Like, you know, Psylocke had her butterfly energy signature. Make it into an energy thing if you need to. I would much rather see a glowing mask shaped like that on her face if I have to see anything at all. Because then I can be like, okay, you know, I can imagine this as, we all got ugly energy signatures sometimes. You know, some people just got ugly shit associated with their powers. And I guess this is just the ugly thing that Gene got. You know, it. But they did the same thing with no. Quentin, though. So they, Quentin has psionic glasses now that are just personality glasses. He, he, his vision's fine. No, exactly. I'm like, that, I will, I can tolerate that. I can tolerate if she just went, I, I identify with this mask so much as a person. I'm like, okay, cool. So we can imagine it as optional. There's a universe that exists where someone is looking at you and they don't have to see that mask first, right? 
right, Jean? Yes. Right, yeah, Jennifer? I, I can I can I can take the mask, but the dress, they just need to take that shit out back and shoot it. Mm-hmm. That's what they need. Just give it splits on the side and give her some some battle tights and let's go. It exactly. really boils down to that goddamn those goddamn gloves. I think it's you can only have one gaudy thing in your uniform at a time, right? You know, I, I we talked about triage before the show. Triage got that ugly ass staff. He has the goggles, and I'm like, it's either the goggles or the staff, baby. You can't have both. Gene has the gloves. In the match. Jean has the gloves from um, the mom from Dexter's lab. She has those permanent rubber ass gloves from Dexter's lab. You know what she is? I'm just saying, I just think it's funny that she just, she don't, all that money she inherited from all her dead family members and she can't go shopping. Oh no, sweetie. Her family was poor. Emma will remind you. Jean's family was poor. Bitch. <laughs> And I want to highlight. <laughs> I want to highlight also as the as table dusk is my responsibility to be the expert in all things Marvel magic, as we say every week. Um, Nightmare isn't official, but I've seen a few people like you know on a few YouTube videos going, like, "Oh, you know he's no Dormammu." It's like no, Nightmare is the personification of dreams and nightmares across the multiverse. He's not just some one note to do because i'm like if you undermine nightmare in that way saying he's not dormammu dormammu is afraid he, of nightmare isn't he on par with mephisto he they, might surpass mephisto anything that dreams or sleeps fears him he's not just like people go like oh he's like freddy krueger he's worse than freddy krueger he's like sandman from the dc mythos if sandman went evil you know i was thinking about that too because i was like he gives Freddy Krueger, but they said that he's kind of like in 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 a way he's almost like eternity in a way. Is that because he, he traps eternity? That's what Bruce yeah said. he anything yeah, he that tra- sleeps like, he has power over. And like that's the he's the general concept of not just nightmares but sleep itself. It's just that he does he he feeds on it. He's a he's a ma- he's a heroin addict with cosmic magical powers. He he's addicted to the suffering people exhibit in nightmares. Which makes for me, which makes Jean Grey's stunt in this particular issue even more iconic because I'm like, okay, this is a this is a really powerful character. He's the personification of nightmares and like telepathically handed his ass and told him get the fuck on and don't come back. So that's more really reminding feel- us that Jean handled the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes sense. It was like, oh yeah. The Phoenix Force is a living embodiment of the universe. It has a bunch of shit involved with it. And, and Jean, also, Jean Grey beat it. There's always been this weird thing about telepathy in Marvel. And we talk about this because, you know, Young Justice is out right now for you fast scanners. You know, uh, <laughs> Young Justice dropped <laughs> and it was a very telepathy heavy uh, two episodes. No more spoilers. We won't let you all get into it, audience. But, you know, the Marvel magic it it leans heavily into telepathy. Doctor Strange had to learn to be a telepath before he learned anything else. Because technically his power is all about like, he's not doing a lot of the shit you see him do. It's some other higher dude is doing it for him and he's just the instrument through which it flows. Then it's the whole gimmick of him. He don't do nothing himself. That's why I say Doctor Strange is a shitty sorcerer. Um, Brother he Voodoo does this shit himself. how to do his own magic. Like yes. within the last two runs on his book. 
just he is shitty at magic and everyone will let him know that shaman had to learn his shit himself actually brother voodoo is probably the most again the most prolific sorcerer in the universe because it took him two weeks to learn magic and it took dr strange a year and some change to learn this is very he interesting it's very funny uh photographic memory on top of that yes supposedly you're so smart and it took you a year baby it took you a year I don't know what to tell you, bro. You're not that hot. You're not that guy. Um, Nightmare, I would say, during the Brother Voodoo, the Dr. Voodoo run, I'm really happy that they did remember that because the last big fight, I want to say, I know Nightmare fought Loki, but the last big fight, the last big thing that Nightmare did is when he took over the planet and he trapped everyone in an eternal nightmare. And he turned them, the living bodies into his minions, but he was feeding off the planet's nightmares. And I'm like, that's that's more of an emphasis on like how dangerous nightmare is as a character that you can't undermine it but jean gray doing this in this moment is not just like a jokey joke situation she pulled off something that goes into her feet book this is going on her respect thread on reddit this is going to be a whole line jean gray humiliated nightmare because this is a sign that even without the phoenix force she's about to become a cosmic entity i love it for her i love that for her jean you know, we tear you down a lot, but here we want to uplift you. You did something. I know we're kind of in the alpha Emma Frost right now for what she did to Quanin, um, but she'll pay for that. Um, and I'm confident knowing that Jean humbled a cosmic entity. And Emma Jean Frost brought her snacks this week, so her blood sugar wasn't low. Exactly. So was the hyperglycemia was in check today. I love it for mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. She this brought time, her snacks. She didn't pass out. But she was saying, Scott, mm-hmm. and she was actually orgasming. Mm-hmm. She brought her snacks and her Tylenol. She didn't have a headache, and her blood sugar was fine. She was good. Bitch slab nightmare. I'm like, I love that sis. More of this energy. I really am happy also that they did discuss more about like she didn't just say, "Oh, I'm going to be on the team" because I was a quiet counselor and I took down. Like, I'm happy that they showed that Jean was like actually, if we're making other people go through the process of being voted in, we should be voted in as well. Now, happy she didn't shy away from like, yeah, everyone kind of tr- walks around me like I didn't do shit. I'm like, I'm not also under the amnesty thing that we are looking at. But she's like, yeah, no, I killed a bunch of people and I'll never be able to make up for any of that. And I realized that it was something wrong with me as a person, not the Phoenix Force, that caused that to happen. And I'm confronting that and I want to make it better. I never will. But it's the effort, is the dream of doing shit like that is the reason why the X-Men exists. I'm happy so this whole wonder, X-Men is redefining the X-Men, too. I'm happy about that. So I wonder if um, if Jean had to uh, run to be on the X-Men, did Scott, or was he the one person that was the guaranteed, since he's going to be the leader of the team? I thought he was the guaranteed. We'll see. And that's a good question. Is he the leader of the team? I think he. I think he's a captain. I think he runs their tactics. I don't feel like he is the leader of the team, not in the same way that, like, technically he was, like, the field commander for the X-Men originally, but originally Xavier was the leader of the X-Men. In that vein, hmm, I'm just saying, like, in that vein, I don't think that Scott is giving that level of leadership. He seems, like, it. I will say it's more interesting to say that either Gene is the leader of the team or in itself, 
um, if not genius leader of the team, then they don't have a leader. Leader, I think it feels more like they're operating from a more democratic approach. Because I haven't seen any conflict. This is the very one of the first X Men runs. You don't see no conflict between each other. They're not fighting and bickering and shit. Like when Storm took over the team, Rachel Summers had her whole fucking hissy fit and saying Storm is ineffective as a leader. All she does is whack her finger, and act nobler than other everyone else in that fucking trench coat, as if she had room to talk. <laughs> Miss Hound, get the fuck. You not your mama. Let's start there. If anybody Storm should have stabbed. <laughs> So yeah, they um, yeah. From my understanding, um, as far as leadership, um, I think they addressed that in, I think they addressed that in this series that is not really a particular leader. I think they try to give everybody some type of leadership mm-hmm. in a way. I don't. I can't recall how they worded it. So, how do we feel about the Laura um, situation of like them finally revealing like what the fuck is going on with her? Why she why she dubbing our dude? Why she acting like you know that's not her soulmate? That's not her boo. I think she's scared of connection, but I don't think she's afraid of. Con- I think I think she's not afraid of connection. In essence, I think she is because like she like I mean because like she loves her siblings. Cause she loves on them, and she's not seeing her be vulnerable with them. But I think the problem is having to give someone back a feeling of something that never will happen in the space that they live in now. Because, like, when they went into the vault, they weren't going in there as, like, boo things. They went there on business. And then they fell in love. Like, she's not attracted to sync whatsoever, but I think circumstances change when you're stuck in a space with, four, with three people and you get horny, sync is bae. How you not want to fuck a man with a bald head? Listen, I'm saying, look at us. <laughs> Niggas with bald head. Uh, Darwin I'm, I'm was also us. there. Good dick, good dick. I mean, but I Darwin, got- it's not that he's unattractive, because technically Darwin could be whatever you need him to be, baby. But mm-hmm. there's something about Sink personality. Sink got drip in his spirit. You know, to pull Monet and Jubilee, you, you got to have something going right with you. Right. And I, and I think that, like, Darwin, Darwin is the kind of character, well, I mean, we really talk about the sexuality of Darwin and Singh versus each other. Cute. Um, I was about Darwin sexually. He probably can probably feel but you're not enjoying it. So you probably, like, you get his dick to change the size to adapt to your level of enjoyment. I would need that. Darwin, call me. Um, but, you know Darwin's a bottom. You know you can't be an adapt- adaptational power you know, and not be a bottom. You're already reading the Eternals. What else you want to take from me? <laughs> <laughs> You're a godforsaken, the godforsaken poor person's book. You know, I, I mean, you say it. Darwin is a verse top at most. He can do it all. Verse okay. bottom. I'll give you verse bottom or verse top. Wow. Mm. I was racist. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess she doesn't want to be forced back into a relationship with something and then having to face emotions and probably having to like, because this is the thing, I could not think about this critically. The the memories are sinks. So the emotional connection are, are with sync. The emotional connection wouldn't be, you know, conveyed in his memories from her point of view, because it's not her emotional connection. She may be able to feel the things that Sink felt in the times they were in the vault together, but like the emotional connection would never be there because it doesn't exist. 
because it's coming from his memories, not from hers. Okay, I think also okay, on some level fair. she does remember. Like, in the same way that if you die in Morocco, you come back and come back on the Krakoa, you have something about you change. Or like how, like, Sink is like, I died, came back more powerful, and then he died again on his way out of the vault, and, like, his powers are still sustained, like, a change to them. Um, I think Laura potentially does remember. The whole issue is exactly though what you said, Henry. Like, she went in there, and they were forced into a bunch of circumstances, and that led them being together, because they're all they had with one another. Like, all of Laura had every day was Sink, the memories that Sink has to share, memories that she has to share, and, like, you know, Laura's dating past has always been very sordid, but she dated fucking um, Hellion, and it was a very fraught relationship. It was really awkward and, like, didn't make much sense. And then she dated Angel, and then it was a very awkward situation. Like, it never works out. I'd say that it's also a human fear on top of, like, these are my memories, these are me. It's like, but what if these are my memories and these are me, I feel the same way, and then we come out and now everything has changed because you have options. Like, who's going to compete with, like, Laura? We know that no one can compete with Laura. But to her, as a person who has had, like, a bunch of really fucked up relationships and was abused all her childhood, she's like, you come out here as someone who you is, think, and, like, you dated Monet, and, like, you dated Jubilee, and you was, like, hot shit when you were around. Like, it's okay to choose me in the vault. There's a lot of options when you step out. And who's to say that everything that we wanted in each other in there and all the promises we made would have been true. I think she does on some level recognize the feeling of attraction to him. But like, I don't think she really recognizes that she wants to confront all those feelings and it's better just to move on. And I think also, I mean, also one thing I will say that we do not have proof that the Darwin and, and, and Wolverine that are inside the vault are dead either. True. Yeah. That would be upsetting though. The bodies were never retrieved. So, you know, I'm what I would hope I would like to see is the Laura in the vault come out and give her her memories and then let her decide what she wants to do. But I feel like, which I'm praying and hoping, that this is a lingering uh, plot and we get a full story of this before they end the books unceremoniously around the 12th or 13th issue. I'm just saying. Because they love in the books in the Hickman era. Yeah. Child, like five of the books are going to end in the next two months. Hopefully not, not Excalibur. I know everyone is like, that's the weakest one out right now. It really isn't. No, I make... Whoever is writing that now is going to stop writing it after December. Teeny Howard. So Teeny is no longer going to be on the book. So it's either going to end or somebody else is going to pick it up. I think Excalibur is one of those books that you can definitely just pass on to someone else because, like I've been saying, it's run like a D&D campaign. And so once this campaign ends, you can just start up a new one, hopefully without Psylocke, not that I hate her. I mean, not Psylocke, Betsy, Captain Mar Captain Britain. So once Betsy, I like her and the run of the story, I just think that the Braddock family's drama takes up a lot of the character moments for the actual team. Um, so I would want brought up off that team, moved somewhere else, maybe in her own solo as Captain Britain. And you can just do all of that together over there. But then like pull Prodigy maybe onto this team. Maybe he can't, you know, what happened with him was very traumatic. <laughs> Honestly, it was a very traumatic storyline to end on. 
Um, maybe just like, you know, don't worry about this world right now. Just go help out Excalibur. You're a magical creature. You know magic. Just go help him out. Well, with that being said, should we move on to the boring one? <laughs> on to the one that we were trying to avoid? Yeah. I will say last thing about X-Men is that I will also say this is the, the worst out of the ones we got so far. But that's not saying a lot because it's also the it's still like superb at the same time. Okay, moving on to X Force. All right. It's me, that's X Henry. We're gonna do X Force number 24. All right, so X Force number 24 cover is of Colossus with a bloody hand. And I don't know what's going on in the Hickman era of the X-Men, but whoever keeps drawing Colossus as this Russian daddy, I don't know who keeps doing him like this. I'm loving it. Colossus with the beard is everything. You know, I love him. I love him. We got to make this man buy because I, I see why Prodigy did it. I'm not taking back to the thing I said that Prodigy's a snow queen. I'm not taking that back. But I understand. It's like Colossus is big. I don't know what's going on with Colossus right now. Mm-hmm. Big, big, big move. Yeah, I know he. I know he uncut too. I know. <laughs> and unlike Sabretooth, he probably cleans under his foreskin. Well, I bet he bumped no. that metal. But I bet you. I bet you. He put that meat inside his metal. I'm sorry, this pussy. I can shine the shit out that motherfucker with this wetness. You know the fuck work. And you know what? <laughs> You know what? I feel like Bielter's, uh strokes, like even his slow strokes, feel aggressive. So you know that's that energy. Like, oh yeah, he's making love to you and whatnot, but like it's actually hitting. Like it's a consistent amount of strength involved with it. I like that. I appreciate it. Um, uh, Kitty was I an just idiot. Now realize, as I am looking at the cover, there is a parental advisory warning on the very bottom right next. To psych, uh, Colossus's thigh, and <laughs> it's Tell applicable. Having a pussy saying Boston boy. <laughs> oh, I like how this is how we made this issue more interesting. It's just fixating on this... isn't Piotr fine as fuck? <laughs> I mean, but like, th- let's talk about it. Macau Rasputin, not so bad looking either. You know, like a nigga with a scar, you know, he might be a gang member. Yeah, you know that ponytail? Like, mm-hmm. he, yeah. He be the one to call and he the wears this, truck real quick. The he wears this form-fitting ass damn leotard with this cape too. Mm-hmm. He's a stunt queen. Mm-hmm. And those who look like I don't know if y'all ever seen the greatest showman, but you know, everyone's baby daddy Yaya is in there, right? And he's wearing the exact same fit. He's wearing a form-fitting leotard and a cape. Uh, because he's playing a trapeze artist and it works for him. But you know, Yaya, he looked fine in anything. And I think that's what's going on with Mik- I think his name is Mikhail. It's Mikhail, right? Yeah. Mikhail yeah. Rasputin. So yeah. yeah. Oh, let me go ahead. I'm sorry, y'all. We got distracted. We are sorry here. That was a commercial. Oh, yeah. Work. Sorry, uh, hot flashes real quick, thinking about Piotr right. and that whole entire family, actually. Mm-hmm. All the Rasputins. Yeah. All the Rasputins. Beautiful family. Even the Rasputin from the Chimera, the Chimera Rasputin, you know, she had like what? Oh, Six pages all together. Everyone was like, actually, no, she she's the best thing. Yeah. The greatest feel, X-Men. Yeah, she is. I need her to come back. Okay. I'm sorry, y'all. We getting distracted. I'm so sorry. All right. So <laughs> we open up with 
um, this man who we now know as the Chronicler. He is writing this story involving something, but we don't know what it's about. He's sitting inside the dimensional rift with Mikhail Rasputin, and Mikhail is not happy about what he's writing this thing that he's writing. Um, so Mikhail is trying to convince him to do, do it his way, and he, I guess, reality warps a bottle of, of 1951 vintage wine, and homeboy's like, yo, I need that. That's my shit. I need that fixed. And Mikhail's like, nah, bro, like, you don't deserve this. He poured it out right in front of him. But of course, him being a terrible, you know, person, he goes down to the ground, licks it up off the ground, which is very embarrassing. And um, he continues to, like, keep playing around. Mikhail's like, you're going to write this book away. I want you to write this book. It's giving misery. Very much Paul Sheldon, you better don't. Um, and it's like he sticks the he he's basically cracks the bottle on the end of the table and then shoves into his hand. He's like, you know, we get this shit right, or I'm taking the other hand. Very misery. Um, you know, Kathy Bates, you know, somebody's trying to steal your job, sis. As we continue through the book, we now are now inside a beast body, and um the um, Russian doll is like still existing in his body. So Black Tom has his little Tom inside of him trying to find dude or whatever. And it's getting good. Like they're giving him chase. They're catching up. They're catching up. But then the movie cut up the movie. The book cuts again to the Savage Land where we find Colossus thighs to be damned. Mm with his uh, blonde mutant queen who has purple skin and they are living away in the savage land, helping to make the petals that are used in the medicines for the marauders and part of the Hellfire uh, Trade Commission and their thing they got going on. And it switches back to inside a beast and little Tom is catching up to old boy, kills, a, kills the uh, Russian doll, then he splits off again into three more pieces. Then you gotta chase this thing down again and now they fall into beasts and um, stomach, which is full of like greens and it stinks and it's not pretty. From there, we slide back to the Chronicler. Now we're figuring out what's kind of going on with the Chronicler. The Chronicler, what it seems like to me, his ability seems to be some kind of thing where he writes and he psych psychologically manipulates someone in the real world. So as he writes what he's writing, he's also manipulating someone. From what I'm understanding, what we get in this issue, it's not as literal as like him, you know, completely ordering the steps. There's a little bit of him writing it seems and a little bit of Cyclops, I'm sorry, it's not Cyclops, Colossus moving things along also. So after a whole day of working, he comes home, he needs a bath, you know, old girl has ran a bath for him and she finds some paintings of his that are things from Krakoa that he should have been giving up. And she's very upset about this, but like he tries to explain her that everything is okay. But Mikhail is having issues with the way the story is going. And like, you know, he's like, I can't, like I said, I can do but so much. I can control bruh, but I can't make bruh do everything that I'm putting down on paper. And he's also pushing back against what I'm doing also. But apparently, you know, the woman that he's with, I can, I don't know, wait, did we get her name? Hold on, pause. Go back to the beginning. Kayla. I think it's Kayla. Yeah. Thank you, baby. Uh, Kayla is upset and, like, you know, she rips one of his paintings, um, like blonde, white haired women do, still enjoy. Um, 
and continues to like, you know, I don't like this. I don't like this, Piotr. This doesn't make me happy. And she's like upset and shit. And, <laughs> and so like he goes to hug her, like, you know, baby's all right. You know what I'm saying? It's all right. You know, it's like, come lay on this chest and thick ass thighs. Tell me you want some of this, this metal meat inside of that little tight little pink hole because you love me. And I, mm. So he hugs her, snaps her neck. That's also a part of the pushing that the Chronicler has been doing. Mikhail is excited his brother has killed this woman. And as the story continues, they get beast to throw up from his, you know, stomach to throw up the nest, the rest of the, I'm sorry, the Russian dolls. Keep on calling them nesting dolls. I don't know why. And Black Tom incinerates them. I think one thing we keep forgetting that, that Black Tom, outside of his plant abilities, has a secondary ability of fire, which was really what we all knew him for, was pushing fire through that um, shillelagh that he had. Mm-hmm. Got shillelagh. P- Prince George's County, Maryland, education. Don't be mad. Um, Spell it. Right. <laughs> I'll Spell shillelagh. Let shillelagh. the girls know. Shillelagh. Y-O-U-R-M-A-M-A. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> Don't come for me, black word. I say shillelagh, I got a spelling buffer. You want to spell shillelagh? You go put up to your phone. Say, I say, Siri, spell shillelagh. And she, she can't spell it. Fuck Siri, too. And fuck Alexa, too. They can't spell shillelagh. Okay? Don't come for me, black word. I'm trying, okay? All right, so Beast throws up um, Little Tom and the Russian dolls, and Black Tom goes to incinerate them so they can never come back again. But clearly, we're not done here. So Beast is sitting down inside the, uh, sitting inside his lab, and like, oh my God, there's another one that's sitting on your nose, Black Tom, let me get it. Come to find that motherfucker sitting inside his eyeball. So Beast stabs himself in the eye and pops out his eyeball and steps in his eyeball, and that's the end of it. Let's hope and pray for the end of it. So Colossus continues. So we switch back to the Savage Land. Colossus is is burying Kayla in the ground. And he's just going about day like nothing has happened. The issue ends with Xavier outside of his door and hoping that they can talk about what we do not know until the next issue. Thoughts, concerns, accusations? So you skipped over a very important part. My iconic part where Beast tried to slit, <laughs> tried to slit Black Tom's throat. <laughs> no, it's right there because he thought like Black Tom had it on him, and oh, so he's like, "It's better to oh. kill you and yeah. kill it than let you live." And it gets away. And like Black Tom was like, "Bro, I just saved your life." <laughs> Beast has issues. Beast. Beast has motherfucking issues. I nominate needs- Beast to replace Sinister on the Quiet Council. I, I Honestly, would- it's at that point, baby. It's yeah. at that point. Because he's kind of got the he's kind of got the qualifications now to uh, replace Sinister. On you know what? I feel like Beast is probably really <laughs> insulted. If I was a writer for this, I would have Beast have his whole complex is that he's upset that Xavier went to Sinister in the first place when he's here. He's like, so you think I can't do this shit? So you're saying Sinister is a better scientist to me? It's, I would be pissed. I would be 
Because what is it that yeah. you do correctly? What is your power? Like your power is to be an animal, right? And you don't really even do that. Beast, when's the last time you were in the first of all in the field? And secondary, like when was the last time you actually used your power for anything? He hasn't lifted he anything. He hasn't he doesn't slashed. He don't do shit. He really just don't. And so when he sits there and tells people to get their job done, I'm perplexed because I'm like, if you were on a Rocco, they would have scrapped you as a fetus. Not because you're blue, but because you're a punk. But he uses his power just like uh, Reed Richards uses his power to conduct research. And that's it. Listen, you don't have to be dangling upside down for you to read a book. You don't. I mean, but we kind of know, but we kind of know. Yeah, but we kind of know Beast for that, though. Dangling upside down and all types of shit. So, yeah, he hasn't even been doing that. He's barely hit a cartwheel. <laughs> Shut up like a monkey in a suit, which I miss his monkey transmutation. I remember when he had that tritary uh, mutation. The only time we ever heard about that shit ever happening. And he became like a monkey person. And I was like, I see that's acceptable to me. I don't know why he slip sliding across depictions like this but you know fuck beast all day every day um i do also hope that he goes back to being a sorcerer i say this about every week but i think beast as a sorcerer gave us something we can do deal with give us something we can use you know but like Mm. stick to practical magic and not like flat out full sorcery you know he's going to do flat out full sorcery you know he's summoning demons you know, the first thing he's going to do when they actually, when Orcus invades Karkoa, he's going to see Beast standing in front of him, and he wants some of the army of demons. Whatever sacrifice. Maddie and Selene and the newly minted mutant Wanda Maximoff Rector. Eyes, standing there um, defending with demons. Magic as well. All of them, really. I mean, this is going to be mm-hmm. a throwdown. It's going to be great. I'm so excited for that issue when they invade. Um, this from that solo thing. But yeah, also, I think dude's power is literally just a death note. Uh, he quite literally, it, it. I'm happy they're doing more stuff where they're like, oh, mutant powers aren't just straightforward shit like telepathy. Oh, dude has to sit down. His power is his art. Sit down, open a book. I need to know who you are. I need to know you intimately. And I can control. It didn't feel like he he could control Piotr's mind. It felt more like he was controlling Piotr's choices, which is a completely different thing. Like, it was like, I can't make Piotr do stuff that is not in the realm of possibilities for him. So I can make him paint a picture of something he's seen. So that's what he was doing. And I can make him, like, save those pictures. And I can probably make him take those pictures someplace. But I can also make him kill someone he loves for like questioning him. It's just very interesting. It gave me very Brush Shogun from um, the Teen Titans. Uh, was that mm-hmm. the movie or was that the, the Teen Titans movie? Go to Tokyo or something? Yeah, um, it very much so gave me Brush Shogun the whole time. I was like, oh, okay, so him writing things happens. Okay, that's what this power is. All right. Yay. <laughs> you know, homegirl just want to get her back broken out by Colossus. 
She wanted, right. she was living the dream. She was living what we all want. She's like, you know, you on the farm you all day. You know what her powers are? Ah, but she, ah, being but she wet. did get her back broken out. She did. <laughs> and she, she, she did. She was trying to squirt so you know her face a little flexible. bit. She was mm-hmm. trying to, you know, wet that beard. She was like, <laughs> we've been growing it all season. Yeah. Now she was I'm trying to, to polish that. that beard off. Yeah, she was trying to give him that Aquafina and... Uh-huh. 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 What a man. Sis. Like, you know, I'm happy she got to enjoy it while it lasted. And when she gets resurrected, she'll have the memories. Now, I hope, you know, we're not going to get it. Xavier's she? useless. Yeah, that is a good question. Will she? You know, because I think buried, they'll notice. I'll bury her, and I don't know that anybody knows that she's dead. I think when she doesn't back up, they're going to ask questions. So you remember they monitor the backup as well. They go, as Good soon as someone doesn't pop up. Hmm? Good backups happen every week, right? Yeah. So she'll just yeah. be gone until like a week later, but they monitor that. Like I feel like Xavier, I hope Xavier noticed immediately that, yo, someone's brain just vanished. Very much like how Gene was like, when Sink was in Gene, using Gene's power, he was like, a quarter mile away, a bunch of people just vanished. Like, that's a problem that doesn't happen. But, you know, they'd be, like, stretching and pulling, like, the range of that shit a lot. Um, I hope Xavier doesn't just I, falter like that. I and just... think Cerebro does the backup, like, subconsciously for Xavier until it, he does that hard backup every three months or whatever. They don't say how often they back things up. And that's the, I think that's a good thing that they don't because then we're like, okay, but why didn't this person keep it vague <laughs> and keep it cute? Um, but I think I think he's aware on some level of like how many save files the release are going in because someone has to be monitoring that because they need to know like, okay, what if you're out and you just get murdered? And like, I think the backup thing is how they know that you need to be resurrected. Sort of. Yeah. So I think they I think they said that the they monitor and see if you aren't backed up, uh, I think it's however many times in a row, then they consider you dead. Um, but you could be just like too far away for a backup and it that week and then if you pop back up the next week, then you're good. Yeah, they do investigations. I think there's a system that they imply like X Factor would investigate if you have died and go about like seeing to it that you do get the resurrection protocol. I think there are mutants who do go about and do that shit of like investigating like, yo, old dude didn't back up in the last file, go check on them. Um, and like, look at the last gate that they use. I don't think there should be situations often where you're someplace you can't be backed up because that was only in the vault. The vault was like, the only place they were like, you can't be backed up in there. Um, because- but if you're too far off planet, you wouldn't back up either. Yeah, but I was like, who goes off planet? Like, they only way you can go off planet is if you physically go, but also if you um, go through the other world course. But they're like, we monitor the oh, other wait, world. Wait, wait, don't forget Cannonball and Anna and that Smash will take on in the Shi'ar empires. So they, but they, they have a biome. That's the thing. They have a biome. Would um, and Sunspot goes over there with them too. Yeah, but they have a habitat. So, like, if they have a habitat, technically, you're still in Krakoa, so they would still be backed up. Is that how that works, though? Yeah, they're like, if a habitat is you taking a piece of Krakoa and growing it someplace else, and also inserting a portal there, 
if you're on any location regarding like that's the thing that I think they said it's like if you're on any habitat that is linked to Krakoa through Krakoa you can be backed up. It's all very confusing. I don't think we were meant to dig this deep into the system. Uh, yeah, because I definitely thought it was because it is just cerebral range boosting Xavier's uh, telepathy, and that's how they're backing you up. So it would it can't be but so far from him. Hmm. But at the same time, it's also like so Lim start set up his own backups. So he is off system, backing himself up onto Cerebro. The only um, person that's that's doing the backups is Charles. If Charles, that's why they were they immediately brought Charles back when he was assassinated because he's the only one that can do Cerebro to back up everybody. Well, they they declined that now only him, but now it's Emma and Jean. Um, perhaps also uh, No Girl and. Betsy and or Quanin. Though Quanin, no, actually, Quanin's not a good telepath. She's strong. I don't think she's a good telepath. Um, it depends. It, it appears that it just ranges uh, overall, but Solim included his whole backup thing feels like it's an implication that there is some level of the backups that happen automatically, um, regardless of Xavier making them. Because he was like, I like he doesn't have a telepath. He's not telepathic, and yet he has access to make his own backup. Even though I don't think the Iraqi mutants are priority to the Krokoa's like backup system, they don't go through the resurrection protocols. Most they, they probably think they probably think that they probably think that would be bullshit for them though. They they, they believe yeah, like, yeah, they, they, would they would never do it. Yeah, they would never. But Solim would because Solim has his backup. I think all of the Iraqis are being backed up by the fact that they're mutants, but they would never go through the resurrection protocols. They said that mm -hmm. even in Way of Vex when the the moon was crashing down. They were like, well, fuck it. If we don't survive, we don't survive. That's it. Don't bring us back. <laughs> yeah, they oh, was ready. Yeah. They was ready they to die. We're not like you, we're not like you little bitch ass uh, motherfuckers on Krakoa. We don't need resurrection. If we die, we were too weak to survive. Don't bring us back. That's why you got more makers. Which is why, yeah, which is why I also love the fact that Storm is on that on a Rocco too, because she has that same philosophy about being resurrected. So that kind of goes with her being on the only ever died one time. One time. And she was fucking around. That same issue. That's because he was just fucking around on her. It was fucking around to her. And actually, mm -hmm. I really thought they were going to include her more in Way of X because she is the only person who had not been resurrected through the resurrection protocols. But they didn't. So I was like, oh, okay. So I guess it didn't matter that the more you get resurrected by the system, the more, you know, over uh, onslaught manifests in you. It doesn't matter then. Okay, cool. So we just wasted our time with that storyline. I still want them to explore her magic at some point in time. Somebody has to have the strength and the wherewithal to figure that shit out and just do it. Because I'm tired. That was yeah, so completely they could like, not addressed. Because this is like literally just been sitting there. And I think like they kind of hinted at it because it's been a few times where, well, this is just me. I'm probably like overthinking it. There's been a few times where Storm has did things that wasn't like 
wasn't really like possible or something that or she did like stunts that really had no actual consequence so it's like you know she she says like you know she has um she has this thing where she wants to respect the planet she wants to respect the weather you know weather systems and all this shit but she did shit that was outside of weather system like outside of like some like shit that can't happen it's not possible for the weather to do and it's like oh you can brush it off like she just did magic and she's not really conscious of it because they said that in her solo on her recent one it was like yeah sometimes i tap into it and i don't even know what i'm doing and she said i can sense magic all around me i can tell when it's happening i just don't know how i do it it's very much also that i was doing more research into richter he has the same power as her well it's the same format he's just an earth version of storm why he sucks like that i don't know but it's quite clear like they're like yeah he has the same like connection to the earth that power is storm's power um so they should be capable of the same things and very lo and behold he becomes a druid and he becomes an external which storm should have been asked for us to be an external that's all i'm going to say um i'd like to see it happen soon so if anyone from the x office is listening go ahead just make her external uh but if what happened with Richter happened it can happen to Storm too I'm guessing they're just waiting for the right moment to do it because I think the Marvel knows that that's what we are looking forward to is Storm doing magic uh but I think they're waiting she summons the power of one of the Vashanti that's who the bright lady is 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 she summons right she summons the power of of the Shanti member every time she calls forth her name. So like, she's magical all the time. Y'all use that all the time. Make it a thing already, please. I wouldn't even yeah, accept that they just went like she... I'm just saying, I don't, I would accept that they just went like, I don't think Storm as a person would honor magic in the way that we want her to. Like, I don't think she'd be a sorcerer. By no shot. Oh, no. By no shot at all. But I think that just admitting that she is magical and that she respects magic and that she in a very like, you know, witchy way of going, everything I do is magic. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I accept that. <laughs> I would accept I w- that. I, w- I would like it if she used magic in a similar way that Shuri does. That it's uh, yeah, it's part of how she fights, but not necessarily like she's not a sorcerer. Like Apocalypse calling himself a magician, even though like you you just got here, buddy. We've never seen you do a spell. We've never seen you whip out a wand. You've never been about this life. Like uh Saturnine looking at him and saying, You're gonna lecture me about magic. And he's like, I do this dirt bullshit all the time. Just because you don't see me do it doesn't mean I'm not Egyptian. You know, actually, to be honest, um, if he's an Egyptian sorcerer, that means Apocalypse be doing his spells by fucking. And that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, Egyptian sorcerers, they did magic through fucking a lot. That's why they had all those orgies. They did sex magic. I was born in the wrong era. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was fucking for spells. Yeah, and so same. that's how you can imagine Apocalypse got with Genesis. He was fucking for magic. He was fucking for spells. He- I, bet it was, I bet it was no STDs because white people ain't colonized us enough yet. God damn it. I lived in the wrong era. And they all had healing <laughs> factors. That would have not been an issue for anybody. Mm, no, yeah, it smells like don't. nothing but sex right now. It smells like sweat and sex. You know, Apocalypse is changing shapes while he's in it. 
Oh, I put a deck with big too and juicy. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're just the third person. <laughs> Look, we, okay, we're at saber Colossus, and Apocalypse. Like, I have a possibly, possibly Mikhail. Possibly Mikhail. Yeah, I have a type of big old man. Like, I'll be in a love triangle with I'll be like Colossus or Mikhail. They're like the good brother of the bad boy. You gotta, you gotta decide. You gotta sample both first. It's more, I make a clear decision. And you know what? I think Colossus will be down with that. He'll, Colossus is the type of person who will just go, you know what? I don't want to limit you. I want you to make an informed decision. And if it choose me, I will be so honored. But if you choose him, I will respect your decision. So you fuck Mikhail, you keep you fuck Mikhail, you keep Colossus. Because Colossus yeah, Colossus, Colossus, Colossus you who you marry. Fuck. Yeah, you marry no. Colossus. Hear that Kate? Hear that Kate bro? Because <laughs> they want like dating nigga like Mikhail that Mikhail could probably go to jail because you get there fighting other people for you and shit, trying to protect your honor. And I don't even asking you to jail. wait for him and yeah, I'm not put money on commissary. Books. Like I'm good. I'm trying to get married to you in jail and shit. That's what yeah, he's doing. Yeah, like, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a full blown skeezer, but I ain't pressed. No, so who do you think? I, I think Mikhail might like, be more romantic than Colossus, though. I think Mikhail would be like, I know what I want and I want you, and I'm going to keep on proving I want you every step of the way. He'd be like, Mikhail, like, we going to go fly on out to Paris right now. On some spontaneous romance shit. Actually, no, not Paris. He goes, you know, he died hard Russian. So I'm going to show you the Russian Everglades or something. But Mikhail be breaking the law. Mikhail is going to jail. Flagrantly breaks the law. <laughs> Mikhail is going to jail. I am not playing with a nigga like that. I am not putting under no nigga's commissary. That nigga is going to jail. He will be next to Jen Shaw in the jailhouse. No, Mikhail's not the type yeah, of person to go quick, to jail. Because they got money. Mikhail is intimidate the jurors, murder DAs type of level of criminal. He's, if I went to jail, a thousand and one people died before I got here. That's all I know. It's I like don't before... know. That, 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 that nigga might be pussy, though. He might be pussy because he hit out with the motherfucking, uh, the sentence of the fucking uh, Morlocks for like hundreds of years or some bullshit. He might be pussy. I don't know. He did. He did. Like, I don't know because he hold orchids. You saw how he like old dude was up in his face, and he's like, I don't know who the fuck he's, he's also a self hating mutant. That's also he's dangerous. not self hate. It's weird. He's not self hating, but he's very much giving black, you know, nationalism of going like, yes, we're black, but like we have to do this for the country, and the country will protect us if we protect it, and all of our powers to exist for the interests of Mother Russia. And unity is possible if we just abolish our individuality and become a so part of the Umar American Johnson. identity. Let's give Dr. Umar. Let's give him that title. His name is American. Umar. Uh, I don't want. I don't want. Oh, this is Umar. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, you are his so right. I was out of line. That's what his mama named him, and that's what his name is. Umar. I'm sorry. Uh, at, uh, here at Kakoa Radio, we make mistakes. We like to retract the statement of Dr. Umar. He, we are now henceforth known as Madam Umar. Uh, Madam Umar Johnson. Madam Lady Umar Esquire um, Johnson. Right. First Lady uh, uh, Umar. The third. Uh, Deaconess. <laughs> Deaconess Umar Johnson. Um, 
uh, the, uh, the six clock sister. Um, fucked up. <laughs> wow. The nigga built like a clock sister. He don't. This is a podcast about so the disrespectful ex- to the Clark sisters. Oh my that god. That nigga built like that. a clock sister. Look at him. One day he's good looking at that, <laughs> that nigga built like a clock sister. That Umar is Please. a six clock sister. We have, solved, <laughs> we have solved the mystery of America. Umar Johnson is the six clock sister. Umarisha Clark. Oh shit. That is a woman. Wow. That's a big old <laughs> That's a big old tall woman. And uh, Dr. I'm sorry, Sister Umar, I'm so sorry that you have heard this. Uh, you know. Best of you, best of luck to you. I know you think broccoli is, is a man-made uh, vegetable. That's fine, um, but uh, you, you young man, are the six clock sister. All right, we need to. I can't, I can't do this. Let's, let's go to our circuit party, please. I can't. <laughs> I can't. The table night exists for a reason that we cannot fathom explaining. Uh, <laughs> It exists for destruction and ends. The ending of all things. Uh. That motherfucker like Marshall Warfield with a mustache. I don't give a fuck. That is the six clock system. And I love me some Marshall Warfield. I love me some Marshall Warfield. That is not shade to Marshall Warfield. But that motherfucker like, like, put that motherfucker in a bailiff castle, put him on night court. That is Marshall Warfield, the six clock system. I'm crying, yo. Oh my god. I just scared the shit out of Neji over here. I just yelled. <laughs> oh my god. You know what? Oh. On that note, the oh, circuit part right. is to begin. Um, oh my god. This week's circuit party, we're discussing. <laughs> y'all, 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 y'all like look at Umar the same ever again, and I said it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an unscripted show. Uh, completely unscripted. Uh. Here at Call Radio, we do not condone, condone the actions or the words that come out of Just Sex Henry's mouth. Who, who I mean... Because I do. Thank you, friend. I certainly do. Thank you, friend. I appreciate that. Right, Pat? I, 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 I support. I support. I support. Just X Henry's going straight to hell. <laughs> and gas to, to, to the hole. To the hole. To the hole. Straight with him. With I, I'm going to go right down, right down the hell on that slide made of uh, the oil from uh, Umarisha's Clark's uh, oil from her um, from her uh, bottle, which she put the oil down on the uh, things so I could slide down it. Podcast KRKA Radio is sponsored by Bader Bomb. We are sponsored Bader by Bader Bomb. <laughs> it's so slick in your grip thank you now it's time for the circuit party uh this is not an ad by the way just it's not so an ad. we're not sponsored we're definitely not sponsored by sex toys but if you guys want to uh so or sexual enhancers party. that are legal legal sexual enhancers <laughs> but we are a very sex positive podcast um, and so we will conduct ourselves as such. So this week's circuit party is going to be about discussing the making of the perfect X-Men team TV show or movie. So 
we have a lot of different ideas about what will qualify a perfect interpretation of the X-Men mythos. Me personally, I do not think that this is a this is the type of shit you can do with some low budget once a film. You know, Brian Singer, that predator, you know, he tried his best with the movies. He really did. But he's limited in talent, thought, and morals. And so it was never going to be everything he needed to be. It was a good introduction of how to do it better, though. Um, I think the X-Men need to be a miniseries. Not like a full miniseries, maybe like a good five episodes per story arc. You know, highly cinematic, you know, giving HBO Max level of, you know, execution, writing, pacing, mixed with a little bit of Disney Plus, and then we just get like back-to-back story arcs. You know, because you can't be giving me no fucking Phoenix Force, uh, Phoenix Saga, and it's a movie wrapped up in only an hour and 30 minutes, and we are not really seeing the depth of emotional upheaval going on with Jean Grey. And Scott Summers as she's alienating her friends and family and being fucked with by Emma Frost and Mastermind until she inevitably fucking snaps. Yeah, slow burn. So, would you do a live action series or would you do animated? Live action. There's been a lot of animated series interpretations of like the saga that I can't really argue with because the life, the cartoons, the animated sagas of it. They can always be great. I think the art of it, though, is doing it live action. I'm trying to figure out how do I bring this into the third dimension in a way that, you know, like, everyone can access it and go, I watched this and I understand what Jean Grey's whole thing is about. Um, Very much in a similar way, like, on Timeline this week, I was discussing the Eternals and why people might not seem to, like, have an interest in them, mostly because they haven't been given any live action or even animated interpretations because... They're so challenging for people to digest if you're not actively into cartoon, uh, into comic books or superheroes, because they they're they're really just complicated. That's like advanced grade fucking superhero mythos shit. You need to understand the dynamics of how things work to understand how the Eternals boil down. But that's also the reason why this movie feels so important because it's like once they show this movie, you will see the Eternals everywhere. Um, they will get better and better interpretations. Um, and you can definitely do a, like, DC got the animated movie thing on lock. You can do an animated movie thing with the X-Men, and it will probably be great and excellent. But it won't be a live-action interpretation that you can point at and go, oh, if you don't, like, you know, enjoy cartoons, did you go and see this in the movie theater because it was a thing you could do on a Thursday? I think I would like to see um, an X-Men story specific like to a movie or a live action TV series. And then all of the, because the, the great thing about the mutants is that they have a hundred fucking teams um, and a million damn people. So I would love to see animated versions of those other teams that we don't see as much um, with characters that we also don't see as much to give them some fleshed out uh, story time and ways to tell stories that you, we haven't necessarily seen before. So that if they get popular there, they can come to the, the live action version. Um, what do you think? Um, I think that the X-Men should definitely start with a teen movie, not a individual movie. I don't wanna see, like I don't mind like cameos popping up here and there in the MCU, I'm okay with that. 
but I don't want to see them start with like a Wolverine movie. I just mm. don't want to see. It. I just don't ever want to see it. Um, I will say also that they need to start with a core team of X Men. I will prefer them aged up because I think the thing like the, I think the thing that they did great with Spider Man was not retell his origin story for the third time. Mm-hmm. But with Batman for some fucking reason, like girl, we already know your parents are dead, sis. You you ain't got no family. They dead. They dead in the alley somewhere. They snapped your mother pearls, which y'all do it every goddamn time. They, child, motherfuckers know Batman's origin story more than they know like anybody else's origin story in comic history besides maybe Superman. But mm-hmm. with that being said, I think that like they should start them as adults as an active team. Now, I have a plot for the movie, and if I'm right, Marvel, I want my coins. Because I know y'all been watching my timeline been listening to my phone. Using a Patriot Act to, to, to sneak and listen to my shit because y'all looking watch. at your news, you know. Right. So what I think they should do to make them make sense in MCU is that they had them on Krakoa the entire time, mm-hmm. and they have like their hands mm-hmm. of society. And Krakoa was so established in the MCU that they are a self-sustaining uh, uh, community that like they don't have to explain the medicines or, or where they've been. They've just been on the island. They come out because of the blip. And that would make sense. It's like, okay, now, so my people are missing. When the fuck y'all niggas put my people? And so the mutants come out to figure out what's going on. I do think that they should start with a cast, not including Xavier and Magneto. They should start with a cast of maybe like seven X-Men like the book has. So they can have enough characterization so they can like really flush out some good shit. But I do think they should like have them within with an established world, world and established mythos already. Because if we go through the whole like, because Xavier Institute doesn't exist anymore, it just doesn't. Because the dream like, is dead. And then like then they friend from there they can add the Krakoa gateways all over the world after the blip to like okay now we closed the Krakoa borders because we ain't trust you niggas. Now that like the Krakoa boards, we can open them back up because they're able to fuck our people out. That would make sense. I really don't want the mutants to be codependent on the Scarlet Witch. I don't want that for them. I will say this made the decimation event something else entirely. Like a really traumatic thing that happened. No one remembers it. Like all these telepaths you got on or, your team. Or skip it all together. You can skip the decimation. I just feel like the decimation at this point has such an implication to why the storyline that it doesn't have to be Wanda who did it. Cause you know, the one mistake that we can all agree with was the fact that they made Wanda the center of that decimation event because it was, it did irreparable damage to her. There's no way anyone can really support Wanda and go like, oh dude, Geoff, whatever the fuck his name was. And when everyone dragged him, cause he was like, Wanda Maximoff was right. He's like, how the fuck can you say Wanda was right to do that shit? And we all know that was some fucked up shit. Um, I think that with it, you can make it any other kind of character. You can make it just when someone had a hold of one of the Infinity Stones and did some fucked up shit with it or with the Tesseract and went, okay, I'm going to try and power some dumb shit and wipe out half the mutants in the planet. And now that's the moment that, you know, Xavier was kind of shunned and the rest of the telepaths and the X-Men went, okay, y'all can't remember mutants ever existed because from what we can see now, 
humanity can't be trusted with us and there's no hope for us to work together so we're just gonna wait until you guys kill yourselves and sit on our island and be pretty i would accept that 100 as what went down until the blip occurred and that's when they went okay actually let's second guess this because evidently we need to be helping them out because they don't know what the fuck they're doing which is also a very believable thing the x-men would do because i'm like i think the x-men also accept that they are better heroes than the avengers um i think it's just doable it's really doable to integrate it i want to say the dark phoenix event happened maybe around the time of that i want to say that she died i don't know if gene gray is back yet or not i haven't decided how i feel about that i think there's enough fans who will say definitely maybe make that a second movie thing of the return of gene gray yeah, I would want her to be dead up front so that we can already get be past that already. I think and not have to rehash that. I think everyone knows the Dark Phoenix story pretty much now. Of yeah, they've told fire. it twice. Yeah. I think that like what should happen is because Avengers and X-Men have to cross paths eventually. I think what should happen is that Jean Grey should be dead, but she should be the Phoenix that's returning back during the uh, Avengers versus X-Men to change the story a little bit and remove Hope Summers out of all of that bullshit and have Jean be the Phoenix that's returning. And then the Avengers are like, she can't come back here because that bitch fucked up some shit. And I have a problem with her. I don't fuck with her. She can't be here. But then X-Men no, like- low hand looking bitch away. Right, that's fam. Like she get to come back. And that's how that can happen. And that can eliminate the whole, you know, decimation, no more mutants, the whole situation. And that can happen that way. I mean, that's also preempts the AVX. I feel like the AVX does need to happen. I feel like that's the thing people want. That's a blockbuster right there. Yeah. That, that whole ha event happened so they can make the movie for it. Right. Mm -hmm. Think about it. You got two, I mean, you got two very iconic superhero teams. Like, them going against each other, that shit's gonna that shit would be numbers. I'm sorry. Any person but, who even hated the comic book run of the AVX will be the first person in the line to get those tickets to go see an AVX movie. Cause just to shut up everyone who goes who made that whole thing that happened like a month ago, they went, Oh yeah, the Avengers, this Avengers team's playing the X-Men. You're like, huh, in what universe? It's not happening. It, exactly. It's not happening. It's just not happening. And I can't believe people actually I can't believe people actually think that. Storm um, is clearing half the Avengers roster by herself. I said, Thor is a stronger. I'm like, no, he is not. He's not a better weather manipulator than she is. Because he has, he, I think he himself will look at her and go, me, no, I can't do this shit. She's a better weather manipulator. And then she can just steal Mjolnir, Mjolnir from him. That's yes. a storm that she can control. Not, and, not, and not just that, but she is way more creative in terms of utilizing the energy that she uses to manipulate the weather anyway. She's so very exact. I'm not sure. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not sure why people think like, I mean, okay, yeah, he's a god or whatever, but to say like, oh, he's a better, uh, a better weather manipulator, I don't, I can't see that at all. Like the, like the Avengers are basically blueprint. Let's just call it what it is. They just a bunch of like independent contractors coming on to do a show and let's see who can survive to the end and make the group. That's ba they basically blueprint. It's like while everybody's individually talented, they're not collectively a team. 
and the X-Men are collectively a team. They sit there and actually think about how can I make my abilities better and kick Mo ass. Like you got and, and and don't get me wrong, Shadow King is a fucked up motherfucker, but sis got a point. Let's I'm combine y'all abilities to see what y'all can do. What are the Avengers doing? They sitting around in the same costumes, doing the same shit, trying the same, doing the same fucking, you know, uh magic tricks and shit. They're not doing nothing original. The X-Men are consistently evolving. And not only they only evolving, every time they resurrect, they get better at what they do. So I just personally think that anybody think that the that the Avengers can beat the X-Men, your mama's a hoe. Very much thing. a hoe. And let's, and, let, and let's not forget also that power unification is also the X-Men's thing. So right. we're talking about we're talking about like I mean it's automatic teamwork and then you got to think they got a telepath on the team they're tele like all of them are linked so if I mean they you will never Even anticipate the their next move at all I will never forget that page of the Eternals when Icarus was like I need help he didn't go to the Avengers he went to the X Men he said thank I need. you he was like you this know, for I a specific reason. It was a great issue, wasn't it? He was like, he was like bigging yeah. them up every time they were fighting. He's like, they're individually, they're not as powerful as an Eternal. They shouldn't be able to do this, but look how they fight together. And it's like, look how they have each other's backs. And like, they are together here. It's like when you're fighting one mutant and you're fighting three other ones, the exponential, like the possibility becomes exponential. And I'm like, thank you for representing and understanding shit, Icarus, as an immortal, as someone who has met the Avengers and went, you guys, you know, you are cute <laughs> for what you are, but you are not what they are. These people represent a species that will one day even probably surpass us. Icarus was yeah, like, that that's those people who yin-yang around the house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> that ain't no real shit. Literally. Like, I mean, and for the, and for the X-Men, like, the Eternals, the, well, the Eternals that they were facing, like, were, I mean, they're basically immortal. Basically, been around for what, like fucking millions of years or whatever. But I mean, for them to spank your ass and they're just regular old mutants, like that's not some shit you come across every day. That's why I enjoyed. And I'll be fair enough to say that after like reading the most recent issues, Druid is as strong as Jean, or almost to that level as a mind controller. Maybe not a mind reader. Actually, no, as a mind reader too. He's like a full blown telepath. But he's like duplicitous as fuck. Uh, he's right. on her level and was getting fucked up. And if I also were to think if Jean Grey were to go up against Druid, Jean would win. I think it's also uh, important to note here that the true mashup when you do a DC versus Marvel, Justice League is going to whoop the, the Avengers' ass every single fucking time. They now, if you put Justice yes. League against the X Men, they're going to lose. And then uh-huh. you say, well, Marshall Manhunter's a telepath. He's not like Gene. He's not touching Gene. Oh. He's not Gene Gray. He's not touching Emma. It's not so happening. What are we doing here? So you guys are cute. We will keep saying that. You guys are cute. But the set of circumstances, literally because they were trying to break the X-Men as like the metaphor for the minority after they figured out they can do that, um, the obstacles that they threw in front of them this got getting exponentially worse. And so no matter what, especially because of the X-Men, by nature being mutants, their powers grow. And that's the major thing that you need to think about. It's like, you know, fighting the Super Saiyan, that whole Dragon Ball Z argument of like, uh, who can be a Super Saiyan? I'm like, if you get stronger every time you lose, you're going to be a much more dangerous threat. 
uh, overall. The Avengers, they have powers. Their powers are really static. The Justice League, being a metahuman, your powers don't really grow like that. Like right. static, static even as a bang baby, his powers are always like that. He just had to figure out how to use them. Right. Master your abilities as a mutant, and it still grows. The, the, the thing that the Justice League has is that most of the niggas are literal gods. They were born that way, yeah. I think I would also, going back to the movies, I would also like them to kind of break down the um, importance and kind of like the classifications of like what an Omega level mutant is. Because a lot of times, like, they they bring it up, and I think a lot of people don't understand, like, I mean, I know Hickman, he kind of, like, broke it down, but I think, like, in media, because, you know, a lot of people don't really read the comics, they go, like, based off of, like, the show or, you know, what mm-hmm. they see, you know, here and there. I think, like, if they put that in the movie and actually tell what the classification is of like you know or just tell like what an omega level mutant is and what the importance of it is i think people will get a better understanding because people just like throw that term around a lot even then that term doesn't always matter like like we talked yeah. about in the spaces before but i'm like i don't think i want every mutant that we like to be an omega because the point isn't that they're omegas and powerful it's just that they're powerful and there's the knowledge that there's someone else out there who's more powerful. It's like magic isn't the Omega level teleporter, and she can teleport through time. Uh-huh. There's a stronger one out there who can do more ridiculous shit, and she can probably beat them. Is the interesting thing. It's not just because she can do it because she's stronger or born that way. It's because she worked at it, and she's a better fighter, and she knows how to apply her abilities. Like. Emma Frost beating a younger Jean Grey because a younger Jean Grey don't know what the fuck she's doing. Or Emma Frost beating Rachel, even though Rachel's a stronger mutant because Rachel don't know what the fuck she's doing. Um, or even like down to Magneto going against Polaris. Magneto is the Omega and he's beating her a lot, but mostly because he's exploiting her emotional codependency on him. And like she's being actively triggered as she's fighting him. But in some cases, you can look at it and go, Polaris. And one of these is probably going to be his ass. I like seeing um, that there are weaker, quote unquote, weaker mutants, um, because you get to see like more creative uses of powers that you don't mm-hmm. really see. Um, like Sunfire. Like, I like Sunfire. Cipher, um, actually, back in the day before um, Hickman's run, when Cypher was being trained by Daniel Moonstar on how to read body language so that he was out here predicting people's moves and was actually whooping ass. Now they forgot about that during X of Swords. That's neither here nor there. But like his power is omnilingualism. He can understand and speak every language. And you translate that to being able to read body language during fights. So like creative applications of powers is always um more important to me than just showing that you're a brute strength like power like lactuka i want to see lactuka's fight how he how they got that position on the uh great marine because it's literally stated like he has they have to fight somebody um but their power is spatial awareness they just know where everything is but when you think about some shit like that it's kind of scary 
Naktuka is not no chump. Yeah, which is why I say they, like, with all these X-Books that they're getting rid of, they need to just go ahead, find them in the budget, and give us an Araki book. Like, they we just... need an Araki book. Let's call it that. Chronicles or Araki. Have maybe uh, Zylo as the narrator of it, and Zylo is just going, I'm here to document shit from historical accuracy. This is the history of Araki. And just telling you this like every issue maybe it's a tidbit about one mutant that also expands the wider world um i would even be interested in learning more about tarn because tarn seems imp- i want to see what the fuck went wrong <laughs> to make someone like tarn the uncaring or as you know uh, viewers listeners who can't see my background it has consistently been the white sword every single uh time we sat down to record i'll be interested in seeing his slow decline into an insane tyrant, even though I'm 100% convinced that he just throws orgies and he just says that it's a war. I would be interested in seeing whatever teams or whatever the, the Iraqis do. Are they all just solo out here? Do they have teams of folks that work together? We see that um, uh, Locust Vile is a team, but are they the only team that's on Araco? Are there other, do, do they work in circuits too, or do they work solo? Like how, like how do their teams work? Um, I will be enforcing all of that. Definitely where like they're X-Men analogs. Cause there has to be a team that was dealing with the demons on a consistent basis. Right, so like, cause it couldn't just be like army all the time. Um, even though I'm pretty sure that probably was it too. I like to think that the central four, the central five X-Men that we think about were definitely the four horsemen. Like in terms of the Jean Grey Cyclops, like even down like to Death's power literally being like Cyclops's laser vision and like his optic blast and like his helmet having the same function, the same function as like Cyclops's like visor, like that doesn't it's not escaped to like lost to me that that's the function of him or the fact that war is literally the opposite of Iceman. Like she's made of fire, she shoots flames. Iceman's made of ice, he shoots ice. Maybe not Omega, though I wouldn't be shocked if they did announce that, yeah, war is an Omega level mutant. Um, I'll be disappointed that she lost that fight, but um, yeah, this is very interesting to me how each of them kind of play out like that. Even like pet, I think it's famine actually. Famine seems to be like a beast analog, you know, huh. like he's the diplomat, uh, he runs shit, he's the one you throw into the council meeting, he'll sit there and he'll debate with your ass. Uh, for hours on end, but you know, this is interesting, and I really, really, really would want to see also a live action uh, rendition of X of Swords, not as stupid. Maybe just go a full blown battle. Don't give us that bullshit. This is the fashion show challenge, and you're gonna have to walk. You have to walk or die. And this is that that entire thing. I would rather have this have been one full fight. Um, but yes, I'm excited for it. When do you think the movie's coming, just for speculation purposes? After Eternals. I think Eternals definitely is their testing ground for how they can introduce new teams um, other than the Avengers, because they do need a new team to take the helm. The Avengers can't do it anymore, because we will never accept any other Avengers other than what we got. Right, because so uh, mm-hmm. Black Widow's dead. Uh, thank God. Uh, Tony Stark is too. Because, uh, you know, even though like, I feel like uh, 
Asian lives do matter, but killing a Black Widow was fair. Um, <laughs> um, I will also add, you said Tony Stark is dead. Captain America's old and dead. Uh, I hope they kill T'Challa, sadly. I know a lot of people aren't excited about that, but I really just think that it might be time just to bury the mantle with him. At least for now, y'all want to resurrect him in a new body. At least wait like five years, you know. Well, it ain't gonna be uh, Shuri because Letitia Wright can keep her fucking mouth shut. Uh, she is definitely. They will recast her. her like, girl, yes. shut up. I don't you know think they're gonna recast her though. I don't want them to. I talked about this in the timeline when it was going down. I think it's it'd be strange to me that Letitia Wright got all this arm, like these calls to arms to be fired when Chris Pratt and like a bunch of other people have been doing a equally or even more like foul shit and have gotten to keep their roles. I'm like, I said it when I said it and someone took arms against it and had the whole D, like DMs debate with me on it. When I said like, maybe just have her or provide her the opportunity to be educated enough to know even what she's even debating. I think like, well, you, you know, know you I'm... don't know bacterial like sciences. You know, you don't, most of y'all actors have failed biology, honestly. So I don't trust you to know what you're talking about when you say you don't trust vaccines or that the vaccinations are doing X, Y, and Z or emasculating people. So if you want to debate that, you want to argue it, at least be forced to know the basics of a cell. <laughs> now, now, I agree with you where I feel like she should not be fired. I don't think she should be fired. But what my issue that I'm having is you are creating a, wor- a hostile work environment, sis. No one, this is the thing, this thing, this is my issue with like people who are anti-mask and anti-vaccine. That is your business. I don't give a fuck that you want to die. That shit ain't got nothing to do with me. Please. I will go to sleep in peace. But I'm I will peacefully sleep through it. Right. But I think the problem I have is going to people unwillingly without consent and saying, you need to do this, you need to do this. It's like, it's like vegans. Like, girl, leave us alone. Eat, eat, eat. Your yarn burger in peace. I am fine. I am fine, daughter. You go ahead and, and eat your uh your papery uh your 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 papery chicken fingers. I'm okay. Leave me alone, girl. I don't give a fuck what you eat, what you do, what you put in your body and your mouth and your orifices. I don't give a fuck, but what you not gonna do, baby girl, is come all the way over here. My mind and my good business with my vaccinated body and telling me that, oh, blah, blah, is this blah, blah. Girl, shut up. Make your top lip meet your bottom lip. You are at work. And I say this very clearly as a bartender who has a lot of shit at the bar all day about shit that I don't want to hear. Girl, I don't want to know that. Like, I'm at work. I'm just trying to get my, you fucking up my acting shit. Like, I, I got <laughs> one job. I got one job. Girl, go to work and go to work. Shut up. in Atlanta? And like, doesn't Atlanta right. have like a really high, like... <laughs> Shut up. Like, now, you want now, now, now. If you want to use your platform to talk about that, that is your business. I can't control. I'm at a point with COVID. I, you can't control people say their mouth. Do what you want to do. I don't give a shit. But when you are at work, you are at work. That shit has nothing to do with anybody else. Like, girl, like, yeah. this is why I hate these Peter head ass niggas who got who activism requires violate people's consent and force information to them that they don't want to hear. Now they stumble across your shit on social media. That's a different situation. But girl, when I'm at work, I'm at work. Like leave me alone. 
Yeah, because some people don't know when to leave like personal shit or like yeah. the activism of shit. Like they don't know how to separate the two. So I mean, that's a place of business. We don't. I don't need to know that you, you know, you eat veggies, veggies all goddamn day and shit like that. Like nobody, nobody cares about that. You know, I mean, we don't care about that. <laughs> and the problem, and the problem, and this is the thing that like I like I need people to understand sometimes about what we do in our social activism on Twitter does not always translate to the workplace. You can't go into work willingly and not saying that, like, don't get me wrong. I, I understand protecting people who are more disenfranchised in the workplace is essential and important. There, But there are ways to do it. You just can't go in there and just yell gay rights when somebody's fucking with the homosexual in the workplace. It doesn't work that way. Or black rights or Black Lives Matter situation. Like you, I'm not saying that you can't do that, but there are ways to get your activism across with one, keeping your job secure, if that job is important to you, to your livelihood, and also keeping your integrity and getting the point across. But I do think that like that, like you can't go in there. Because this is the thing, like in, in a very and, and I'm very diplomatic, and I see and I see a lot of shit both ways. I think that's sometimes a problem that people have with me when I look at things in social media that like you can't change nobody's mind people gonna be who the fuck they are and that's why a lot of times on social media you don't see me arguing with niggas about shit that I really don't generally care about now don't get me wrong I read the girls down hairline or toenail I'm not for play play but neither nobody neither nobody else in this chat either but what I think people need to understand is that like they're not gonna receive the information that I'm born from somebody they don't know Mm-hmm. And number two, for you to change somebody's mind, they already have to be open to it in the first place. You can't argue with someone back and forth about their personal thoughts and beliefs, regardless of how fucked up they are, and can think they're going to change their mind and it's from some strange motherfucker that they just running up on at work. That ain't going to happen. Even like within that thing I was talking about that happened, like I want to say literally last week, because I had to block them. Uh, they were a mutual mind. I had to block them because they weren't engaging it as if I was a human being. Like there's a capacity for like, I think it's that Tumblr era of like activism where people think, oh, if I attack you enough times, you will not only have to change your mind, but you will also have to like me at the end of it. Um, and I'm like, no, that's literally not the case. Like when I'm not afraid to be to say that I'm a person who will actually push at you, if I think what you're doing is bullshit and I know that for you to actually take in anything that I'm saying, you are definitely the type of person who only responds to a carceral, like, aggressive forward. And I understand, though, at the end of that, is we're not going to have a relationship after that. You're going to take what I have to say, and then you'll consider it and weigh it and go, huh, yo, I, I just didn't like how you had to say that. Why did you have to go like that? I accept that um, in my form of activism, but saying that, you know, you and me will now only know each other in an antagonistic sense. But a lot of people do not seem to want to accept that fact. They want to be both liked and aggressive. And I'm like, as a human being, that's not possible. You can't. I think, and, I, I, and I personally, I feel like, you know, I'm open to listening to other people's point of views. You know, if you come at me in a respectful tone, because I feel like coming at me aggressive and trying to shove shit down my throat is not going to make me see things from your point of view. 
because you bashing the rating or getting mad because somebody has a difference of opinion and it doesn't have to be a difference of opinion where I'm being, you know, I'm being disrespectful with you. I could just simply disagree. You can't sit there and come at me and, you know, with all types of aggressiveness because I see things differently than you do. Then that's when we just not going to have a dialogue. But that's right. also like you said, but that's also like Black Word said, you're not going to sit there and be aggressive with me and then still think that me and you are going to have some type of rapport because that's not how the fuck this works. Right. <laughs> like, not like, no, exactly. I had a whole situation where I had to lecture, like it wasn't even a lecture, I was just breaking down vaccinations while they're done, how they're conducted, like basic shit about bacteria and like why even at college universities, like, you know, you have to get vaccinated for shit that there is no cure for. But it's mostly because if there's an outbreak, you know, there's going to be issues if you're constantly still. There's a bunch of shit. And in real time, I'm watching them engage the same conversation with four other people total. Me and another person are the only two dark skinned people involved with it. We get blocked the moment that we try to even engage with them. Yeah, that light skin. Um, yeah, that light skin motherfucker that pissed me off. Yeah, that bitch. So, <laughs> her name. I know who you're talking about. So all of that happened and in the same breath, uh, in that same breath, like moments later, they're bigging up all the skin people, begging them for their forgiveness, going, I'm just joking around. Shit like that, my rhetoric, I need, I'm aware that I need to be forward and aggressive with you because there is no actual attempt here. And you only take in anything I'm saying if you're formatted in that way. But that's all I really have about that entire thing as a rhetorician and as a journalist and as a writer, understanding how people operate is that there are some people who are hard-headed and those are the type of people who mamas have to yell at them a thousand times for them to take anything in. See Letitia Wright, right. see Letitia Wright. We, we have ventured very far into the weeds here. Right. This conversation was supposed to be about the X-Men series and TV shows and what we wanted. So I think we should wrap it up here, guys. Um, yeah, which I would like to talk. So, yeah, um, party. Right. <laughs> so do we have any recommendations before we leave out? Um, oh. Gamma Flight. Gamma Flight is a good one. It's basically a, um, they're basically like Alpha Flight, but they're like with Gamma characters. They were hunting down um, uh, Bruce Banner, and then they kind of saw things from their way and protected from the government, and now the government hunted them. So that's a good one. Um, I'm going to say uh, Future State Gotham is about uh, Red Hood being a um, police enforcer that is in a Gotham that is anti-mask. Um, no mask vigilantes are allowed to exist, so this is some future that looks like it may be happening when it was actually starting to happen now in, in um, the Batman books, but they have extreme legislation on um, people who wear masks and the vigil vigilantes and he's teamed up with the current black man, the, no sorry, black man, the first Batman who was a black man to take them down, um, but the book is all in black and white. Oh, and, and Harley, what issued Harley Quinn beats Punchline's ass. Rightfully so. Um, I, I'm recommending Power Rangers and Mighty Morphin um, by some guy whose name I forget. 
let me actually pull up his name because I want to be respectful. It's by um, Zoom. Yes, it's by Boom Comet. It's by Boom. it's produced by um, Boom Studios, uh, but Ryan Parrott uh, is the writer and Dan Mora is the artist on Mighty Morphin. And uh, who is the artist on Power Rangers? Power Rangers is Moise Hidalgo, and I am so sorry if I said your name incorrectly. I cannot read it off the fly like that. Um, so both of uh, both of those books are uh, two sides of two different Power Rangers teams. It's actually very interesting. Um, just as a Power Rangers watcher when I was much younger, it's been very interesting to read. I have no comic recommendations this week. Um, but I am checking out some of these Marvel uh, novelizations recently after finding out that they are they include The Witches 3, which is a really, really, really like old school, like early 2000s uh, magical team of um, the girls trained under Doctor Strange and both ranging from both light magic to dark magic as witches, including Santana uh, Hellstrom. Um, who basically Jennifer Kale and Topaz are the other yes. two? Yes, yes, those other two. Topaz. Why is it in she... my recommendations in uh, on Comicsology? So sorry. Because Witches Three was actually not that terrible. It was like their own version of Charm. I think it's quite literally um, a book. I think was inspired by Charm. The idea of three witches working together to fight the forces of evil. One on the side of evil, one on the side of good, and one in the middle. Um, like Santana was getting into Jennifer's shit, called her hip hop Barbie. Every <laughs> they were catty, but there is also books about the new Charles Xavier Institute um, that I want to check out. One including with triage. One is an anthology coming out soon in December, where it's looking at each of the characters, including um, just about everyone that was at the new Charles Xavier Institute. Actually, all of them. Uh, as they go through their training and kind of deal with their revolution and like the discovery of their powers. So I'm just getting into those, looking at them, kind of walking through. Um, they'll have a lot of expectations, but I just want to see what the imagination on these characters is looking like. All right, y'all. So that is our next issue of Coco Radio. Next week, we'll be reviewing Sword number nine, Wolverine number 17, and The Trial of Magneto number three. See all y'all next week. Be great. Be loved. You are amazing. And uh, peace and hit, Bruce. Bye. 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 Love you guys.